Hello, my name is Adrian and I'm going to be talking about Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is poetic and it's also prophetic. More on the prophetic in a bit. I have a confession to make. I find reading poetry difficult. I struggle to get my head around it and I also find repetition difficult even though I know this highlights the important things. I suppose that's sort of the point. It gets you to think about what is being written and I just get left behind. After reading, I sort of have an impression about what I've just read, but I haven't really understood the depth of it. When I started digging into Psalm 22, I was overwhelmed, and so I came up with a plan to help me get my head around it. I hope you find this useful too. I used Bible Gateway to copy and paste chunks of the passage from the NIV translation and the message paraphrase into Excel. I then looked at each chunk and I wrote a few words against each chunk, which I think captured the essence of what was being said. Please do take the time to read Psalm 22 in full, but for now I'd like to read my version. It is short and sweet, but does not have the full depth of the full version. So here we go, Psalm 22. Where are you, God? I need you. I know you're on the throne. You were there for our ancestors. Woe is me. Everyone mocks me. You've cared for me since birth. Now you're far away. I feel like I'm being stampeded. I'm worn out, as though I'm dead. There's nothing left of me. They have even taken my clothes. Help and quick, else I'm done for. But still I will praise you and tell others to do the same. I stand determined to praise. I know you will satisfy. In the end, everyone will worship God, from the highest to the lowest. Everyone will hear this good news. With this summary, it became clear to me that the psalm falls into two clear sections. I'm going to call verses 1 to 21, section 1. And they are all about how the author of the psalm, none other than King David, was feeling. It's fair to say he was not feeling great. I wonder if there are times when you don't feel great. In fact, I think there are times when all of us don't feel great. Sometimes we can not feel great for a short time and then we're fine again. And sometimes... We cannot feel great for a long time, and we can't see an end to it. The message here is that even the mighty King David had times when he didn't feel great, and it's okay to tell God about it. And more than that, we cover how David was feeling in a few verses, and it's easy to skip over them. But it seems to me that David was really, really, really not feeling great. And it was still okay to tell God about it. And what did God do? Did he miraculously make him feel better? No. Or did he quote him some scripture? No. There were no easy answers. And we'll go on to see that there is no happy ending by the end of the psalm. David may be feeling more positive by the end of the psalm, but it seems clear that he is still not feeling great. So, so, not only is it 
not okay to not feel great. But sometimes, usually perhaps, God doesn't miraculously make us feel better. This isn't because he can't. It's because this is a broken world we live in. And that is the way it will be until he permanently fixes it. So section one could be summarised as things are not great. On to section two. David's response in verses 22 to 31. I'm going to praise you. I don't think this is some sort of self-help where I feel better if I can adjust the way I think. It's more, I'm going to take my thinking off me and I'm going to think about you. And you are God and you are worthy to be praised. And everyone will praise you. And even more than that, it will work out in the end because you will permanently fix it. And this is good news, even in the depths of not feeling great. So the overall summary, I think, is things are not great, but I'm going to focus on you rather than me. And now I have this summary and I know where the psalm is going. Perhaps I can appreciate the full version. Hope this is helpful for you too. I mentioned at the beginning that this psalm was prophetic also. You might be familiar with the words right at the beginning. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are some of the few and precious words that Jesus used when he was being crucified. Not feeling great doesn't really cut it. Not only was Jesus going through the most agonising methods of torture and death, perhaps more significantly, he had taken on the sin of the world and there was now distance between him and the Father. Imagine something as intrinsic as breathing being taken away, in his case literally as well. Where are you? And Jesus would have known the scripture, really known it. By quoting these verses, he was also reminding those who could hear him of the prophecies of David in verses 14 to 18. I am poured out like water, and all the bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of, the, of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast locks, lots for my garment. Jesus was fully man and had no control over what the Roman soldiers did to him. But he was also fully God. A millennia previously, he had put words into David's mind that spoke specifics about what would happen to him, the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled more than 300 of the prophecies about him. That is just mind-blowing. I'm going to close in prayer. Thank you, God, that even though there are times when this world does not seem great, 
we can fix our eyes on you and have hope that things will be better in eternity if not before. May we really know that assurance. And thank you that all of our sin, all of my sin, when you died on that cross, you took it all and you accepted separation from the Father. May we really know the depth of your love. Amen.